Hold down. Hold silent. Going, going, going. Go, Welcome to the Current Market Insights Podcast, brought to you by Harris Partners Real Estate. Each episode, we chat with real estate author and industry leader Peter O'Malley to discuss the current property market conditions and provide insights to assist you on your property journey. Hello and welcome to another edition of Current Market Insights. I'm your host, Kieran O'Brien, and as always with me, my good friend, Peter O'Malley. Peter, how are you? Yeah, really well, Kieran. How are you? I'm doing well. Really good to see you. Uh, Peter, I feel like every week we say a lot has happened since we last spoke. Uh, I think that may be quite true this week. Uh, I read just today some some pretty wild inflation figures out there, uh, possibly changing what we had to say in our update last week. Can you give me some extra information? What do you know about what's come out and uh, what that's likely to mean for us? I think for a while now, it's uh, it's been the numbers have been suggesting that inflation's stickier than everyone would like it to be. Um, what's interesting at the moment uh, for mine, Kieran, is that global inflation is showing signs of being tamed, but inflation seems to be trending up here in Australia. So that's the first time that you would say that Australia's been uh, acting counter to the global trend. And that's also suggestive that the Reserve Bank might have been a tad too relaxed too early. The economist that seems to be nailing things at the moment is Judo Bank's Warren Hogan. And he's had some interesting things to say. He's saying that the inflation bounce that we're experiencing at the moment is domestically driven, not global. And that by domestic, he's probably referring mostly to rents. Uh, fuel prices have fed into it, of course, but with the immigration policy that the government has, it's feeding higher rents, and rent rents are the highest component of the CPI basket, which is feeding straight back into inflation. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I saw maybe in the AFR uh, some of the breakdown of, of the inflationary figures, and I think it was uh, certainly... Uh, vehicle costs, you know, gas, fuel, that kind of thing, were something like seven percent of the the figure uh, in this report, which was was massive. Uh, you mentioned rents, and we've certainly talked uh, at length about the immigration numbers and the impact that's having on the housing situation here in Sydney. Is it reasonable, or, or I guess believable, that those immigration numbers would already be impacting the market here? Yeah, it has because it's been sustained for the last eighteen months now. So if I go to Hogan, <clears throat> Hogan's quoted as saying. The sad truth is the RBA has refused to get ahead of inflation in this episode, looking for every reason not to hike. It increasingly looks like we'll be lucky to have a peak cash rate under 5%. They needed to be at 4.35% three months ago at least. There were many economists who were saying the next move by the RBA was down, but I'm quoting Warren Hogan today because when I look at all of the economists that seem to be picking it best at the moment, it is this fellow. What I have seen anecdotally, this may be an unfair summation of events, but Philip Lowe, after the last rate hike in June, came in for immense amount of personal ridicule and public pressure for the rate hike. And he was uh, obviously fading out the door. His term had not been renewed. He wanted to go out on a high Big call for the incoming governor to increase rates at her first meeting in October. So we didn't go then as well where there was a suggestion and a case that maybe we should. 
Now the data, according to Hogan, is saying that we're three months behind, meaning that it's harder to deal with at the back end. The RBA have been softening the public up for this uh, forthcoming rate hike, which all of the retail banks are essentially saying is coming, either in November or December. They've been softening up, saying dealing with inflation at the back end is much harder than dealing with it on the front end by by paying additional higher interest rates at the moment. So unfortunately, mortgage holders will probably get a rate hike. I think December would be too late. I don't, like everyone else, I don't like rate hikes, but I, I felt there was a case for going in October and I, I think it's definitely got to happen in November to try and get this back under control because if the Australian inflation rate is higher than the global inflation rate, it's going to be very hard to wheel it back in. So one of the uh, one of the other figures that I saw was that in terms of uh, where interest rates sit in comparison to inflation, there was something like a gap of 0.9 basis points, or quite you know quite a sizable gap. If there is a rate hike at the next meeting, where do you think it will go in terms of uh, percentage? It'll be a 0.25 percent. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. same to you know similar to the other ones we've had over yes. the last 18 months. Yeah. Okay, yeah. but uh, as you say, the the economist Mr Hogan is suggesting that we're probably at a minimum three months behind on this one. They could have gone with this rate hike three months ago. He, he's not calling for a half percentage uh, rate hike, I don't believe. He's calling for a quarter of a percent at the next meeting. But uh, he's certain, as many others are now, that it must go in November rather than December. So what that means for those that are in the property market, by the way, is it might cause a percentage of buyers to go to the sidelines and it might cause some vendors who otherwise wouldn't have come to market and sold to come to market and put their property on the market, whether it's an investment property, a holiday home or even their primary residence, I hope not. But there is absolutely no doubt the industry, the real estate industry, saw a sharp uplift in listings during winter, which is seasonally low period for listings, a sharp increase in listings this winter straight after the June rate hike. It impacted and it mattered. And I think this will draw more stock to the market and that's very interesting because uh, most agents would say that the spring stock has been somewhat subdued this year in Sydney. But I think after this news, there'll be some people reconsidering their position. So for those that are reconsidering their position, if there is a, assuming there is a rate hike uh, in November, is there still an opportunity for those people to then, you know, do something with their house and, and be set up for the new school year come February? Yes, there is. There's there's plenty of uh, trading that will happen over the summer. So as I say, I think one of the best uh, trading periods for the property market this year was winter, which annually doesn't play that way on an annual basis. So there's there's plenty of time if someone wants to get their property on the market and get it sold, yeah. Oh, well, great news certainly for anyone who uh, who may be thinking about it. Another one of the articles I read today, I think, was from maybe DNAB. Oh, look, I could be wrong, uh, but they were just putting together all of the figures on the Sydney property price rises that we've talked about. You know, it's been in strong growth throughout the market for the last you know quarter, six months, twelve months, etc. They predicted an overall growth of twelve percent for the year, and then potentially another five percent next year. Uh, given what we've seen... Well, and let's what, just go to the 12%. <laughs> okay, well, let's start with the 12% for We're this year. We're up 11 already, so they're saying it's going to move another 1%. Correct. So uh, the reason I'm segueing into this is given that it's very likely the RBA will go next month uh, with another rate rise, do you think it's feasible that uh, the market can achieve that 12% growth for the year or do you think that we might actually see it pegged back slightly? Oh, look, calling it accurately at 12% or it pulls up at um, 11%, that's all within the... Uh, 
That's a rounding error. It's 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 a it's a rounding error. So they've sort of said something without saying anything with that. Calling it six percent for next year is interesting. We've said in our conversations this year, right throughout the year, Kieran, if the property market continues to rise, it gives people the ability to refinance and and draw back against the equity in their property and maintain their lifestyles as they are when the RBA wants um, wants people to tone it down. So I think what we'll learn the hard way is that the property markets, not just in Sydney but across the country continue to rise the rba will step in to to squash that and if we didn't have some of those machinations going on with philip lowe you know under um, so much personal pressure in the middle of the year and michelle bullock coming in in october we probably would have already seen a rate hike yeah certainly uh interesting thinking about what the the rate rises will do i know you know myself i'm not excited about another rate rise but i'm also not particularly excited about the value of property going up so much that they just have to keep you know using the only lever they have to try and stem some of this expenditure which is uh, is occurring across the market Ah oh, well look the government's policy is not in sync with the monetary goals of the rba if you're going to keep inviting half a million, 600,000 people a year into the country. They're going to create economic activity and inflation, is, which is what we're seeing. And they're really subtle points as we started today from Warren Hogan is that, yes, there was global inflation, but this is domestically driven inflation now. So we spoke last week about the supply and the demand. Up until recently, it was a um, supply constraints that were driving the inflation but now that everyone's felt the need to ask for a pay rise, you know, inflation's out of the bottle, businesses are putting up their prices left, right and centre and the minimum wage increases that have happened early in Labor's term. I'm not saying that anyone in, in those categories is not entitled to put their prices up, ask for a pay rise or have a lift on the minimum wage, but the reality of that is it increases inflation. And that's why Hogan's now switched to saying that we've got domestic generated inflation, not global supply generated inflation. So other than the immigration issues that we've talked about, and you've mentioned a couple of other factors that have led into this domestic inflation, other than the RBA's ability to manipulate the cash rate, is there anything that the federal government can do at the moment, knowing that this forecast is likely to try and protect Australian people? Look, increasingly, uh, if you follow the commentary of economists who matter and who are respected, they are saying back off the whole immigration train. That is the story that is now driving it. The government want that economic activity. They want that to fill the skill shortage, but we don't have the housing to, to, to put these people in. So then you've got more people competing for less. That plays out more in the rental market than the sales market. Sale property values, when they increase, whilst the RBA take a look at them, they don't form part of the CPI basket where rents do. So when rents go up, the RBA know that rents are pushing up the overall CPI. So the government probably needs to rethink things. I don't think they will, but they probably do. What's crazy, I spoke to a developer today who's got a large piece of land in Annandale. It's an insignificant home. He wants to push it over and put three dwellings where there's currently one. To get that uh, development through, he's got to go to the Land and Environment Court. So at a time where the city is absolutely and utterly screaming out for more housing, he has a site that can turn one dwelling into three and to get it through he's going to have to go to the Land and Environment Court because the local council are fighting him all the way. That's just but one story of many that are going on out there in the marketplace. So whether it be the federal government, state government 
or the local council, government policy is actually not in sync with other departments or other government levels making this uh, harmonious processes to keep the country running the way it needs to at the moment. Oh, absolutely. I, uh, unrelated to that example, but I, I read an article this week about a, a family who's fighting another family about a fence, uh, ended up in the Land Environment Court and they got stung with 163000 I think it was, uh, in legal fees to cover the court costs. Uh, and as you say, you think about developers who are trying to create multi-occupant you know, situations and dwellings in Sydney – uh, being held up not only by the the bureaucracy and red tape of council, but then drawing on significant costs to go to Land Environment Court and try and win this with no guarantee that they will, which if they do win, then ultimately just means that there's going to be more on top for them to try and make this work financially. Yeah, the way the numbers work for what it's worth, a developer who takes the, lo- the respective local council, regardless of what council it is, who takes the local council to court to get you know, a commercially viable project through, I think they've probably got about a 75%, if not 80% success rate. So all that happens then is the cost of going to court is the cost of doing business for a developer and is then added to the end product. Well, exactly. And that's there's nothing affordable about that for the average punter. A couple of weeks ago, the government had a thought bubble that New home buyers in new developments were entitled to mobile phone reception. That's not the thought bubble. That's a fair and reasonable request in 2023. Absolutely. So they said the solution here is to make the developers pay for mobile phone towers. Now, developers build houses. They don't build mobile phone towers. And it shouldn't be incumbent on a developer who is already struggling with tight margins to develop that critical infrastructure. If the telcos are going to sell mobile phone plans to the public they're the ones that should be building the 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 towers that uh, and funding the towers that house those mobile phone calls so there's this demonization of developers at, at all levels of government whether it be someone who wants to turn a basic large house with no heritage significance into three they're demonized right up to the you know the subdivision developer who wants to do something on a larger scale in the suburbs but he's working on very tight margins and we saw that in the Four Corners program earlier in the year. It's like, I know what we'll do to this developer that's working on really tight to next to nothing margins. We'll make them fund the uh, the, the, the telecommunications as well. Yeah, the increase the Section 94 costs and just make it unreasonable for them. Uh, it really is ridiculous. Well, as we move towards a close today, Peter, I thought we might just get a bit of an update on uh, what, what we've seen in property for the last week. Uh, and as always, I know you've got some good data on what's happened last weekend, particularly across Sydney. Yeah, well, my good data comes from Louis Christopher's good data, Kieran. He's he, telling he's us... He's known for that, mate. Indeed. So last weekend with the auction clearance rate, 1,076 scheduled auctions. Uh, he's called it at a final clearance rate of 51.3%. In his commentary, he said that's pretty good going to finish up above 50%. Uh, at a time when um, cost of living pressures are biting. You know, whilst we're not at normal spring stock levels, we are certainly up on where stock was tracking uh, earlier in the year. So uh, Louis felt that was a pretty pretty solid result. On the ground, as a, as a real estate agent, we had some inspections that were really well attended and then others that maybe a slightly subdued response. What I can say per campaign, the number of inquiries are down on what they were during the middle of the year whether that's buyers uh, dropping out of the market, Kieran, or it's a matter of more stocks come to market to sort of split their focus. Well, I guess that'll that'll flow through in time. But yeah, the market is um, uh, up until last weekend uh, hanging in there, but certainly not 
in my anecdotal view, uh, rising at the same rate that I saw earlier in the year. And I'll be really interested to see what the numbers for October show by month's end. Yeah, certainly interesting. Of uh, of your stock on the weekend, any particular types of property that were you know, seemingly more appealing to buyers that had greater turnout? Oh, the ones that are drawing the numbers are the houses over the apartments and that's because numerically there's uh, there's fewer houses on market than there are apartments. Anything with any sort of space about it um, is, is drawing particular interest. There is still a hesitancy in the market for properties that need work. So when someone's considering putting their property to market, we do encourage them to deal with the easy repairs up front. Don't leave them for a buyer to see because a buyer will sort of overstate the cost and effort in in, in, in getting maintenance, work, maintenance works and repairs done. So it's better that the vendor does that stuff up front in this environment. There's times when the property market's so hot where essentially you can have a hole in your roof and a hole in your floor and someone would still come through and, and buy the property at above market price because the market's in a, in a very bullish mode, if you like. But uh, at the moment, it's uh, as a vendor, it pays to have as fewer issues, if any issues, with your property once you put it out there. And getting the presentations uh, right is absolutely critical. So we're seeing lots of apartments and houses that are styled for the sales campaign across the marketplace at the moment. When it sells, that's the cost of doing business. You know, as I just said, the clearance rate was 51.3% on the weekend out of 1,100 auctions. So there was... um, uh, what's that? Forty-eight point seven percent of the vendors who went to auction last week didn't sell. That's the uh, advertising uh, fees and the present, uh, you know, the styling fees that have uh, that have uh, gone to waste in a lot of cases. So, not an easy decision about how much do you invest in a property prior to going to market, but it's one worth talking to your realtor about. Oh, absolutely. I think if you're uh, getting rid of your best asset, you may as well present it the best way you can. Look, as always, really good insights, Peter. It's uh, a pleasure to chat with you here on the podcast. I look forward to seeing you next week. Likewise. Thanks, Kieran. Thanks, Peter. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time on Current Market Insights. Thanks for joining us on the Current Market Insights podcast, brought to you by Harris Partners Real Estate, the podcast providing real estate insights you won't find anywhere else.